Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. How many honestly would be lost if you didn't have your phone giving you the directions even down the street somewhere? It's like we've become so dependent. See, I remember, some of you remember the times where we used to have to rely on the folded maps, right? Or, or to, to stop at a pay phone to call somebody to go, hey, I'm lost, I, you know, guide me. But we're, we're so dependent on these directions. And let me just tell you, they're not always accurate on the phone either. And, and every time I, I put in a destination, I have to wonder now, because actually, this is a true story, when we first started planting this church here. We had an interest meeting over at Craig and Pam's house. And so we had set this up with Pastor Darren, and we were going to meet over at uh, Craig and Pam's house. And I'm not familiar with Thousand Oaks. So I'm driving in from Bakersfield, and I just put in the address, and I trusted the iPhone. It was like, okay, here's the map. And I, I didn't look at the direct. I just hit go. Like, you know, it's like a lot of you just said, go, and you're just going to follow Siri as she routes you to your destination. And so, you know, I just didn't think anything of it. And, you know, I got off in Ventura, and she started having us go towards Ventura. But then she had us turn left at this little town called Fillmore. And so I started driving this road through Fillmore, and the terrain completely changes. I'm on these turns that just were crazy. I'm like, I'm on the road to hell right now. And if it's not the road to hell, it is definitely the mafia burial ground. What, it's, this is like, you know, where they've probably filmed Planet of the Apes. Like, this is like, this is the area or something. Just, I've never seen anything like that. And so I'm making everyone nauseous in the car. And, and we finally get there. It was actually just terrified. And so we get there. We have a great meeting. 
And, and Tara's even going, I, I'm not feeling good. I, I'm not, you know, she was nauseous. I don't know what she was going through that day. It was spiritual warfare now that we look back at it. But like she's, you know, not feeling real good. We leave the meeting and she's like, I just want to get home. I just want to get home. And, and, and so as a husband, my wife is like not feeling good. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm kind of in that panic mode. Like I got to get her home. And, and so I don't think about it and I press go home. And guess what Siri does? She takes me on that road again. And we're doing these turns. She's like, where are you taking me? I'm so sick. And I go, I'm sorry. This is not the way it was supposed to go. But I discovered something with destinations. There's always turns involved to get to your destination. And the promises of God are no different. There's always going to be turns involved as you are on your way to your promise. We're in a series called Expectant. And I believe we're in a season as a new church that we're expectant to uh, really walk in all of these wonderful, amazing things that God is wanting to do in our community. But I believe it's just greater than our church. I believe there's individual uh, promises and destinations that God is birthing through our new church in your lives. But we have to be mindful that every destination has curves involved in it. And it's how you handle those curves that will determine how you get to that destination and how you arrive at those promises that God wants to give you. I'm going to be talking about a man named Joseph this morning. And if you have your Bibles, you can go to the book of Genesis and we're going to be in chapter 37. I'm entitling this talk this morning, Handling the Turns, Handling the Turns. Let me pray this. Father, I thank you so much for the destinations and promises that you have for our lives for our marriages, for our families, God, for uh, just the future and the, the ministry that you want to give birth to in our lives. And we come with expectancy in our hearts today to know, Lord, that your promises are yes and amen. God, guide us through this time. Anoint me as your vessel this morning. I pray that when everyone leaves this place, Lord, they will know they had a divine encounter with you today, and we thank you in advance for doing that. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. I want you to just turn to three people and say, expect to turn. Say, expect to turn. Just tell, just tell three people around you. I want to talk about Joseph specifically because, you know, the Bible tells a lot about Joseph. And he was a man of God, and God used him in powerful ways. But before he got to his destination, which was to be in a palace, being next to Pharaoh in the Egyptian empire, that there was a road that he had to take. And there were some major turns on his route to the destination and the promises that God had given him in his life. So he's a great person to study because I'm convinced that some of you came here specifically this morning because you are encountering a turn in your life. And God brought you here because he wants to coach you through the turn. Because ultimately God wants the promises that he has spoken over your life and in your life to come true. And so we need to talk about this. Genesis chapter 37. And a little backdrop for you. Joseph was 
the favorite of the family. I don't know if you have a lot of siblings or, or maybe, uh, you know, as you think about your family, there was the favorite that mom or dad had. They never told you, but you just kind of knew. See, I was the favorite. See, my brothers and sisters argue with me to this day, but see, the youngest tends to be the favored one. And so I had this, this thing with, with my brothers and sisters growing up. I got away with things that they never got away with. You know, they all kind of were, were, you know, I guess my, my parents were more frugal when it came to shopping uh, for clothes, but I was the one that got, you know, the Nike Air Jordans. I had original, I wish I would have kept those, man. But I had the original Air Jordans, and I was like, wow, why? Because my mom loved me more than my other siblings, you know? That's all I could say. So Joseph was the proverbial spoiled baby brother. Mom and dad just kind of gave him a little bit more favor. And it says here in Genesis 37 that, that his dad didn't hide the fact that he was the favorite son. In Genesis chapter 37, it says Jacob loved Joseph more than any of the other children. It says it right there because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them, and they couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. Think that was uh, uh, you know, a, a thing that his brothers wanted to, to hear? His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. So it wasn't just that he was telling them his dreams. He was telling them in an arrogant way. Have you ever been talking to somebody? And it's, and it's not necessarily what they're saying. They just, they, they just have this like, I don't know, this arrogance, even in their body language or something. I just kind of pick up that the brothers are kind of getting this vibe like Joseph is a spoiled little baby brother, always gets his way. Now he's kind of gloating in this. He's just arrogant and they're not liking him. I bet you while dad wasn't looking, they gave him an atomic wedgie. I'm just saying. Uh, but that didn't stop him because this is what happens. So soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream. He said, the sun and the moon and 11 stars bowed low before me. And this time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked, will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Interesting. So here we have, at the age of 17, God was giving Joseph the destination. He, he was telling him the promises that he had in store for his life way before those promises would ever come about. And I, I love this because God gave him the dream without filling in the details. <laughs> kind of like that time that I mapped myself to Thousand Oaks without really looking at all the turns. Because I, I'm convinced that, that God leaves out the details because if he were to tell Joseph all the turns that were, he was about to face, I'm thinking Joseph would probably say, I want to sit this one out. Or hey, how about choosing my older brother for this mission? Because 
the turns were going to be incredibly difficult for Joseph to face. But nonetheless, God didn't fill in the details for him, and he stepped into that destination through some crazy situations that unfolded in his life. I don't know where you're at this morning, but perhaps you're in a season where you've been given some promises by God. And maybe you're not necessarily seeing any of those promises fulfilled, or, or maybe you, you've had a word spoken over you uh, of some things that are supposed to happen for your life or through your life, and you're just like, man, it's just not quite happening yet, but you're excited about it. Now, I'm, I'm here to tell you that when those turns come up, that promise and that destination, it needs to be sealed inside of you. Because when you hit those turns, you need to be able to pull that up and say, I know that I know that I know God gave me this promise. I know that I know that I know that God spoke this destination to my heart. But what I want to do is I want to fast forward and I want to get to the end of the story. Because here's what's true about all of us. We love the beginning of the story and we love the end. We're not quite fans of the middle part. Who's with me on that? It's like, yeah, how many of you get the book and you cheat? And like, I need to know how it ends in, in, in order to know if I'm re really willing to, to go through this whole story uh, chapter by chapter. Well, here's what happens. In Genesis chapter 50, I'm going to fast forward to the very end. It says, then his brothers also came and fell down before Joseph and said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for I am in God's place. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Now, this is what I call the Instagram version of Joseph's story. <laughs> you heard it? You heard the promise at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 37, and fast forward to all these chapters, and we get to Genesis 50, where you hear the end of the story. He's living in the palace, the dream that God gave him, where the, the brothers and his father, they're bowing down, and they're, they're actually willing to serve their younger brother. They said, no, this will never happen, and here it is happening. And, and the reason I want to pull that out is because we're living in an Instagram culture, where we're so used to seeing everybody's highlight reel that we're forgetting all of the turns that it took for that person who posted that pic or who posted that story had to go through in order to get to that moment for their life. And we want to take a shortcut. We want to go from the promise to the destination and not encounter any turns in the process. But what God showed me and what Joseph's story tells us is that every turn is important in order to prepare us for the promise to be fulfilled in our lives. In other words, if God would have just slapped a 17-year-old arrogant, spoiled kid being the prime minister of an Egyptian empire, do you think he would have been able to handle that space? No, he had to go through some turns in his life because there was some character that God was looking to cultivate inside of Joseph in order to prepare him for the promises and the destination to be fulfilled in his life. In other words, if God were to meet your promise right now today, you wouldn't be ready for it. And you may get to the palace, but without character, you're not going to stay in the palace. It's character that will actually keep you in the destination, in the promise, in the long run. And a lot of people want to shortcut it. And this is what the New Testament calls sanctification. It's a kind of a 
fancy term, but it really simply means there's a process that God is cultivating in all of us in order for us to be prepared for the things that he wants to unlock and unleash into our life. It's a process. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a process. That's what sanctifying is. Now, the Apostle Paul writes this letter to the Thessalonian church, and this is how he says it, and this is really good. He says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. In other words, he's saying, I'm praying that you are set apart that God processes in you through and through, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, what Paul is understanding is we all have rough edges in our lives. And what the process of sanctification is, it's a process where God is smoothing out those rough edges that all of us have. Some of you a little bit rougher than others. Come on, somebody. You know, you know it. One day in Bakersfield, uh, a friend of mine was um, uh, one of the uh, chief officers at, at a big farming uh, company there in Bakersfield called Bolt House Farms. Some of you have eaten their carrots and drink, drink their little protein shakes. But Bolt House Farms is a huge factory, and, and they like deliver carrots all over the world. And so they took me into the factory and, and they showed me the process of what happens with these carrots. And it's so crazy to me because I saw the trucks bringing in all the carrots in their raw form, dirty, the trucks were filthy, and they, they put them on this conveyor belt and this process begins where they start washing the carrots all up and they go through like four or five different washes before they're even put in this little area where they start getting cut and they start kind of becoming the little baby carrots that we've you know, grown to love and to eat, right? But I I just started tripping out because, you know, as we go to the grocery store and and we just pull out one of these packages of baby carrots, we don't think anything of it other than, yeah, these are pretty yummy. But there was a whole process that went into that final packaging of that thing that you love and enjoy to eat. There's a process going on inside of your life right now. And that process is actually being used to prepare you for the promises of God to come true and the destination of God to actually happen for your lives. Don't try to shortcut the process. Because what happens is, if you get to the palace without cultivating the character, things are gonna get ugly. Christine Kane, an author and speaker, was doing a message quite a while ago at one of our uh, uh, campus, our network campuses at Hillsong. And she spoke, and uh, Chris Pratt, an actor, uh, was uh, listening, and, and he went on a late night talk show and said how this quote really changed his perspective about being in the spotlight. And I have the quote for you here because I think this is so good talking about handling the turn. She said, we have a generation chasing the spotlight, but if the light that is on you is brighter than the light that is in you, it will kill you. There's something to be said about your character and that God is taking you through a sanctifying process to get your character ready to embrace the promises and the destinations of God for your life. And this is all that's happening. Now, let's, let's walk away from the Instagram reality of Joseph's life, and, and let's take you through some of the turns that he went through, because right there in chapter 37, his first turn hits him smack in the face. 
Right after he has his second dream, dad sends him back out to go check on his older brothers. The first time he went out and gave a report to dad, he said, hey, dad, the older brothers are a bunch of slackers. I, I would doctor pay or something. So guess what? The brothers see him coming from a distance this time. They're like, hey, remember last time he gave dad a bad report? So, hey, some of the brother, brothers are like, let's kill him. And other brothers with more common sense are like, that's our brother, man. That's our bro. We can't kill him. So let's throw him into a pit and sell him into slavery. Like, he, he can be the first human trafficking story of the Bible. And see, a lot of older brothers have always threatened their younger brothers with uh, being sold into slavery. They actually did it. And, and here we read in verse 23, it says, So it came about when Joseph reached his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his robe, that robe, the fancy robe that dad had made for him, that was on him, and they took him and threw him into the pit. Now the pit was empty, without any water in it. And it goes on to say, and then they ate their lunch and they just kind of watched their brother in the pit. I'm like, that is so dysfunctional. But this whole family is dysfunctional. I mean, Joseph's dad was like a liar, you know, from the get-go. And, and he has some brothers that were murderers, another brother that slept with his daughter-in-law. I mean, dysfunctional city was happening in Joseph's life. So I don't, I don't find it far-fetched to have these guys, you know, in this picture, like looking at their little brother in this pit, waiting to sell him into slavery, eating their bologna sandwiches, just going, hey, man, check them out, you know? Isn't this crazy? So he gets sold into slavery. And then Potiphar, this guy that worked for the security for Pharaoh's whole household, he buys Joseph. And Joseph becomes the leader of his household. He becomes the chief slave, the chief servant in Potiphar's home. He, Potiphar puts him in charge of everything. Because he trusts Joseph, and, and the favor of God was on Joseph while he was at Potiphar's home. Well, what happens? Another turn. Potiphar, Potiphar's wife gets the hots for Joseph. Joseph must have been a good-looking chap. And so she starts laying a move on him, and he resists it and says, man, this isn't good for my relationship with God. This isn't good for my boss. And so you need to stay away from me, lady. And one day, it got so bad that he ran out of his coat as she was trying to get him to go to bed with her. And he ran right out of his coat. Well, she flipped the script and said that he tried to rape her. And so Potiphar had him thrown in prison. So he goes from this prominent role of his employment. Now he's in jail being accused of something he never did. But he was in jail for a long time. It wasn't just like this thing and he got on, you know, off on good behavior. He got put in there and some other guys from Pharaoh's court, they got put in there with him. A cupbearer, the guy that was in charge of making sure that Pharaoh wasn't poisoned, and the baker. And so Joseph is there and he's trying to kind of get his senses in prison and he even finds favor in prison. The, the chief, you know, war, the, the, um, the warden gives Joseph all this favor and he becomes in charge of all the other prisoners and these guys, the cupbearer and the, um, the baker, they have dreams. And Joseph says, hey, I know about dreams. <laughs> let, let me tell you about your dreams that you had. And the, the, the whole interpretation of the dreams came true. And the baker dies, just like Joseph had interpreted the dream to mean. And the cupbearer actually gets off, and he gets released. And as the cupbearer is getting released, knowing that Joseph read this dream really well, he, Joseph says, don't forget about me, bro. Like, like, I helped you out, man, so you need to help a brother out. And so the cupbearer forgets about him. Two years goes by. Every day, Joseph, when that door opens, going, is this my day to get out? Nothing. Two years go by, Pharaoh has a dream. 
And then Pharaoh's dream is being told to the whole court. And then the cupbearer goes, hey, I, I remember this dude that I was in prison with that could interpret dreams. Maybe he could help you. So Joseph ends up being called out and helps the Pharaoh, blesses the Pharaoh, gives him this revelation, and then Pharaoh promotes him into the palace to become his prime minister. I mean, just an incredible story. But it's more than just the Instagram version. There were some major turns. First, he ends up in a pit. Then Then he ends up being a slave in Potiphar's home. And then he's accused and put in prison for something he doesn't do. And he doesn't just stay there for a little bit. He's in there for a while. And every turn that hits his life, I'm imagining... There were some thought bubbles that he was wrestling with going, did I really hear God correctly when I was 17? Because it doesn't look like anything that I was told by God, I believe, is happening right now. And just think on another layer. Every time that Joseph is trying to make his life move forward, there are people that come in his life and hurt him. Think about that. First, his brothers betrayed him. Then Potiphar's wife, you know, lies about him. And then the cupbearer forgets about him. Like all of these relationships come in his life and they hurt him. And if anybody had any reason of giving up in that moment, it was Joseph going, every time I step in a relationship, people hurt me. And in our day and age, man, people use that as a license to just stop living. Just like, I, I, you know, I, I can't ever be that person because I, I've had all of these things happen against my life. See, Joseph didn't look at hurt as excuses. Joseph looked at his hurt as ways and means that God could build his character and he could move towards the destination that God had given him a dream about all those years before that. He was 30 years old before he took his place in the palace. So 12 years of his life, he sat there wondering every relationship that hurt him going, wow, God, how are you going to use this to cultivate me to get me ready for the promises and the destination see I love this because see where a lot of us we take those hurt relationships and we can have a tendency to become bitter Joseph used those relationships and it caused him to become better that's why I coined a phrase and you might want to steal this but let your haters become your elevators you're welcome all right Let your haters become your elevators. There are going to be people that will come into your life that will hurt you. They will hurt you by the things that they do against you. They will hurt you by the words they use towards you. I'm thinking about, you know, his brothers and all that all that happened in his life. I mean, those were his bros and they betray him like that. I can't imagine how anguished. He was in that space. But let's talk about these turns because these turns that he deals with, I think turns that we all kind of deal with in a way. Let, let's talk about these three turns. And, and they all start with P, so they're pretty easy to remember. Let's talk, let's talk about the pit. Because see, here's the reality for all of our lives, no matter who you are, what your background is, where you came from, what you've done, we all will encounter pits in our life. Pits are, are these places where we just feel trapped or stuck, like there's no way out. Have you ever been in a situation or an experience in life, and you're like, how am I ever going to get out of this situation? Welcome to the pit. 
And see, the pit are part of all of our journeys in order to get us to where God wants us to go. Because it's in the pit that we grow a dependency on God that we would otherwise never be motivated to get. It's when we're isolated that we start connecting with God on a deeper, more meaningful level than when everything is, I like to call, hunky-dory. When you're living in hunky-doryville, you don't, you don't feel like you have to go full throttle in your relationship with God. But when you feel that like everybody has bailed on you and you're stuck in your situation, man, you are praying like you've never prayed before. Come on. You are, you are listening to worship more than you've ever listened to worship. You are reading the Bible more than you've ever read the Bible. Why? Because you know that God is your only hope in the pit. So thank God for the pits because they are cultivating something in you that would otherwise never be experienced in your life. Because see, when God shows up in your life, you know, not because some preacher tells you, you know intuitively that God is greater than your situation and that Jesus is stronger than your difficulty. See, when you're dependent on God, you will experience that firsthand on your own. Let's talk about... Potiphar's house because see Potiphar's house is an interesting space he became a servant Joseph was there and and he had a routine in his life he just was going through the routine day by day chore by chore everything just kind of looked the same there was a uh, there was this repetition that probably almost became boring and I don't know if you've ever been in a, in, a, in a space in your life where you're just like, I know God said this, but my life is just so routine right now. It's like same old, same old, day in and day out. It's the same to-do list every day. And I don't see how I'm ever going to see a change in my life because every day looks about the same. That's Potiphar's house. But see, something is being cultivated while you're in the routine. Because God wants to know whether or not your character is able to handle the routine or whether your sinful nature is going to create some sideways stuff in your life where you get off course. Because it's when everything is kind of like moving routinely that the devil gets in there and he starts bringing some temptations your way. My friend told me one time, one time he said, be more Careful of your success than your failure because in your success, you can let your guard down. I believe you let your guard down when you're in routine, when you're in Potiphar's house. But here's something that you need to learn as you're in Potiphar's house. You need to learn how to be fat. So the question is, are you fat? (laughs) It's like, how dare you ask me that question? There's something about Potiphar's house. In this turn, when we all face it, you have to ask yourself for the routines that happen in the the regular, ordinary days that you experience and I experience, are you fat? And here are the three things that make you fat. Faithfulness. Faithful. Are you faithful? That means, are you going to keep showing up even when the situation is not going to change? Are you still going to show up? Even when maybe the breakthrough doesn't happen, are you still going to show up? See, Joseph still showed up even though he didn't know when his breakthrough was coming. He didn't know when the promise was going to be fulfilled, when the palace was going to take place. But he just kept showing up, faithfulness. And the second part is, are you available? Just making yourself available. I can do that. Yeah, put me in, coach. I'm ready to, to do that. See, God cares more about your availability than he ever cares about your abilities. 
And so many people keep themselves on the sidelines because they say, God can't use me. <laughs> Look at all the things that I've done. I don't, I don't know about the Bible. I, I don't know anything. Let me, let me tell you, if you want God to use you, here's a little noteworthy advice. Just make yourself available because he loves using people that want to be used by him. Availability is key. And here's the last point. I think this is the most important. Are you teachable? Because there's always something you can learn from somebody else. But if you get into a mindset, like, who, who are they to teach me anything? That, that teachable spirit, I'm telling you, as a leader, for as long as I've been a leader, I can smell when somebody doesn't have a teachable spirit. And honestly, I don't want to work with them. Why? Because I'm thinking to myself, everybody has room for improvement in their lives. Do you have room for improvement in your life? Absolutely. Talk to your neighbor right now and say, I've got room for improvement, right? You could tell them and say, I already knew that. <laughs> but, but there's always something for you to learn. And I love going into every situation and every relationship that God introduces me to. And I ask myself a question, what can I learn from them? And it may be a baby Christian. It may be a non-believer. It may be an atheist. But you know what? If I come with the attitude of what can I learn from them, guess what? God always has a lesson for me through another human being. Do you have a teachable spirit? So your takeaway today is God wants to make you fat. <laughs> I was like, that's a rhema from heaven. Right. That's, that's Potiphar's house. But let's talk about the prison. That's the third turn. And the prison really is where the adversity takes place. It's where you kind of learn how to deal with the heavy loads that kind of come your way. Joseph learned to kind of bear the load. You know, working out is kind of a weird thing because you get stronger by the more weight and repetitions that you do. And so if you actually want to build muscle, you actually slap some more weight on there and you do some more reps and you get stronger. Because it's the weight that actually creates that adversity, which actually builds muscle. And see, adversity in life actually helps you build the character that you need if you were to go into the promises and the destination that God has for you. That character is found in the adversity. And while he was in prison, I'm sure there were a lot of conversations that he was having with God going, God, isn't today enough days that I need to be in here. Come on, how, how much longer do I need to wait for your goodness and wait for a breakthrough for my life? And God says, just a little bit longer. Just a little bit longer. Because see, God knew something that Joseph didn't know is that it would take a lot of strength in order to take on the position as prime minister of an Egyptian empire. So he needed that time in prison to be able to build up that strength to deal with all the adversity that he was going to come in contact with, especially the famine that was going to hit the land. And a lot of you think, like, I'm ready, I'm ready. And God's like, not yet. Not yet. There's some strength that I still need to build up inside of you in order for you to be able to handle the destination that I've called for your life. That's a word for somebody this morning. But here's some takeaways that that really as we look at Joseph's story, not the Instagram version, but the detail version with these turns that are involved. Here's some takeaways. Number one is there is no turn too great that can keep you from the destination God has for you. 
You may be a little nauseous on the drive, like my poor wife that day. (laughs) But there's no turn too gnarly that will keep you from the destination that God has called for your life. So if God has spoken it, if God has, has given that to you, whether you are 17 or 70, God's promises are yes and amen. So when you're going into the turn, just know that, hey, <laughs> next point. You are that much closer to your promise with every turn that you make. Some of you have been through some gnarly turns. And I don't want to sugarcoat that. I don't want to kind of blow by that. Some of them are, are horrific in nature. Losing loved ones, going through divorces, going, filing bankruptcy, having a doctor give you a report that it's cancer. I mean, these are gnarly turns. But let me tell you something, that for every turn that you encounter, you're one step closer to the destination of where God has called you for your life. <laughs> People ask me all the time, how did you make that drive to Vegas every weekend when you were starting that church in Vegas? And we were driving from California to Vegas every weekend for this church that we planted in Vegas. And uh, I, I tell them, uh, you know, every time I would think about the whole trip, it would kind of discourage me. It would be like, man, that, that's a gnarly. If you guys have ever driven to Vegas, there's like, it's a lot of desert and cactuses and some occasional burrows on the side of the wall, the, the road. I drove that drive so many times that I named all the burrows on the drive. There's Jack, and then there's, never mind. Um, um, so as, as you think about this drive, what I would do is I would pace myself, and I would say, okay, the, the first uh, trek is, is Mojave. The second trek is Barstow. The third trek is Baker. The, the, the fourth trek is State Liner Prim. And then I reached my final destination. So I never looked at it like I was going to Vegas. I looked at it like I was just going to the next turn. And then when I get that turn, I get excited because I just knew that I was just closer to my destination. Stop looking at it and the whole journey and just go, wow, when will this ever end? And start looking back and saying, well, I've been through some turns, some gnarly ones at that. So that means I'm that much closer to the promises of God being unfolded for my life. Here's the third point. And that is you can't always choose your turns, but you can always choose your attitude. Let's face it, some of us have some stinky attitudes. Like, who am I? You know, why, why is this turn happening to my life? You know, I'm a good person. Why does this bad thing happen to me? And the bottom line is that you're, you're asking the wrong question. It isn't why do bad things happen to good people. I, I reframe that and say, why do good things happen at all? Because we live in a broken world, and anything good happens, we should celebrate that and not be blown away when something bad happens. Bad things are going to happen in a broken world, but you need to rejoice and celebrate the good things. Can you think of something good in your life right now? Can you just, can you just give the Lord a clap for that and say, God, I'm, gl- I'm grateful. Can I tell you a word? I didn't tell this to the 9 o'clock service, so this is special for somebody in here, but gratitude will always change your attitude, and attitude always affects your altitude. And so if you want a better attitude, then it starts by celebrating the things that are good, the things that are right, the things that you have, instead of looking at all the things that are wrong and the the things that you don't have. But Joseph had this uncanny ability that he was like, wow, 
I see God in every turn. I see God in every step of the way. And once he reached the palace, guess what? He was ready to embrace his destination. Why? Because he had been through the turns and he had the confidence that God was with him through every turn in his destination. The difference maybe between Joseph and you is God. Joseph had God in his life. And I want you to know, if you don't have God in your life, God never intended for you to live this life without him. And the turns that you are facing, he never intended you to face any turns in your life without him being in your life. The most repeated promise that God gives us in the word is, I am with you. I'm with you. And some of you today, knowing that you can make a decision today to have God with you, it's going to make all the difference in the world as you're heading to the destination that God has for you. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.